everyone. Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity Rewatch podcast. We'll watch an episode each week and join you here to talk about it. Just a quick reminder for those who haven't seen all of Felicity, we will sometimes share information that might have happened in later episodes. So this is not a spoiler-free podcast, but it's a fun podcast nonetheless. So keep listening. Also, just so you know, there may be some foul language in this particular podcast or maybe others. I don't know. Fish asked me to make this little warning for you. So I have a feeling she's going to let it rip at some point. Be ready for that just in case. With all of that said today, you know, I'm here to talk about season one, episode three, Hot Objects. I'm Melissa and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Fish. Fish, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful. I'm all cozied up and ready to talk about this one. Oh, great. I was wondering, do you think it's too late for us to rebrand ourselves from Optimist versus Cynic to Hot Objects? I don't think it's too late, but I mean, I kind of like Optimist versus Cynic. I mean, we are hot objects, but let's think about it. All right. Well, you got to put it out there. You know, you got to see if something like that can happen. Today, we are talking about like I said, season one, episode three of Felicity Hot Objects, which originally aired on October 13th, 1998. The director for this one was Brad Silberling, and the writer was once again, J.J. Abrams. In terms of the description, it says, Felicity's excited about attending her first college party and plans to invite Ben, so long as Julie doesn't mind. Meanwhile, Felicity butts head with a butts heads with a professor and meets a fellow competitor student, Elena. So that's what we uh, have to talk about here. There was a lot in this episode though. And I'm going to turn it over to you, Fish. Where do you want to start with this one? I feel like there is a lot in all of the episodes, Uh um, at least so far. I guess the first thing I want to say is if there's anyone out there who hasn't been able to go to college, has been staying at home because of COVID and feels like they're really missing out. And then after this episode thought, you know, college isn't that great. This party sort of sucks. I want to disabuse you of that. This is not a normal college party in any way, shape or form. So I would just like to start by discussing this. I don't even know what to call it. So first of all, the fact that they haven't had a party yet and were three episodes in is ridiculous because we had, I don't even know how many parties during college orientation week before school had even started. So that's the first thing. You don't go months or weeks or a day without multiple college parties happening every day, all the time. Second, as far as I know, parties, college parties that you normally think about are not organized by dorm. They are not sort of school sponsored. And the and... school's buying kegs. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't uh, happen. That does not happen. They don't pay for it. And they wouldn't allow it in a freshman dorm with a bunch of alcohol, which clearly there must have been because we hear people's conversations and they are either stoned or drunk or both. Well, at the end of the episode, we see all the overturned kegs. Uh, and yeah. So, I mean, there was alcohol for sure. And Apparently this was a sanctioned party by the university, but I'm not buying it. 
what and maybe that was yuri kind of going off on his own let's just all take a moment to appreciate yuri <laughs> and blonde who we never find out her name i know it was um, sensa oh okay i missed that uh, apparently that was just something i was distracted from by the uh, fact she that they comes wanted up again later in another episode so it might be that i'm remembering her name from another episode i can't remember if they actually do say it in this one but she is sensa she she adds a weird kind of comic relief. <laughs> she does. She and Yuri and the five or six Russian gentlemen who are standing around at the beginning of the party with just her randomly dancing in the middle <laughs> all add color. I'd like to say kudos on the party food. I have never seen caviar at a college party. Have you ever uh, seen or... food at a college party? Yeah, I mean bowls okay. of m ms yeah yeah not not fresh locks it, it's not a <laughs> typical typical college party fair i guess we're here to tell you this is just not quite it's a little upscale <laughs> that part that part is definitely upscale and at the same time it's also very much like a high school party having people come in you know, walking into your room and having people making out on your bed, at least in my experience, the parties weren't in the dorms. I mean, you would pregame or you'd come back and you'd hang out in the hallway or in somebody's dorm. But having the party in the dorm and just randomly finding people making out in your bed, I, I'm sure other people have had this experience. I've, I've certainly heard from others thankfully really didn't allow people to go into our room by people i mean guys who were super drunk because they tend to pee anywhere mm -hmm. so also just a, a heads up for those of you he heading off to college don't let drunk guys in your room that includes other guys just just don't do it also go to the bathroom before you pass out um, i mean that's some life wisdom from you I mean, really, I just, I like to impart things that I've learned to the next generation. People thought they were here for a Felicity podcast, but what they're getting is wisdom about life. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also think it's funny that Julie says, so true confession, I'm not a partier. Nobody is going to expect me to have valid intel to give you on a lot of college parties, especially not after the pre-party is done, because I tended to go to the pre-party and then leave everybody else to go off to the rest of the party. And that actually worked really well for me because people didn't even know I had left. The next day, they thought I was there for the whole thing, which I always thought was amusing. But when Julie says to Felicity, older people are always saying, I'll never forget my first college party. Fish, have you ever heard somebody actually say that? No. And I also don't remember my first college party. Yeah, same. Yeah. I know there were a bunch that first week. And there's one in particular that I really remember, but I'm fairly sure it was not my first. So it was at the crew house. You remember the crew house? I do. I remember being yeah. there once and never going back. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So th there is always a place on campus where you shouldn't go as a woman <laughs> to mm -hmm. any kind of party, really. And I remember being there with another freshman who lived next door to me. And it was pretty far from our dorm. So we had to walk all the way there. 
once we got there, there were lots of stairs and lots of drinking. And I remember the crew guys had, uh, you know, a bunch of freshman girls there and they were having fun picking us up and showing us how strong they were. Mm-hmm. And my friend, and this is not the first time this, well, no, okay, was the first time it happened to me. It was not the last time it happened to me. But one of the crew guys picked up my friend and just walked off with her into another room. And then I had to go chasing her down and grab her and get us both out of there before, you know, we got pregnant. So that was that was fun. Uh, It actually it was fun. They were hot. I'm not going to lie. It was great. But one thing I will say I did go to a lot of parties uh Uh, that was my scene so that that was definitely a fun one but i also can hold my liquor so i was usually a bit of a mama hen where guys always hate it when there's one girl who's sober enough to get the rest of them out yeah but i was that girl i fully admit it i was that girl oh my Well, I mean, I guess Fish is painting the picture for us of a college party in actual form. Not, not this, not with the strobe light and the, or whatever that light was and the sound system. It was a really intense speaker. It was Um, a disco light. Was it? I thought they were saying they were going to have a disco ball. And then, so there's just a disco light. I'd seen that a number of times at different frats or different parties. You'd have lights. Yeah. Well, again, folks, I guess don't listen to me for your intel on college parties. Listen to Fish. She knows what's up. But on a few levels, didn't feel exactly like a college party. And I think you're right. I mean, the fact that this is coming so far in. Although I will say, so we got an introduction to Elena, who's going to be an important character in this show. And it was fun to see her for the first time in this episode. And I think they started her in such a classic way. Her first line is, what's wrong with you? And then it is immediately followed by, I hate these things, making it sound like Elena has been to more parties, but Elena also lives in this dorm. So not sure which party she was going to, but she has been around the block a few times with a college party. And I guess uh, Felicity and company have not. So uh, it was fun to see her show up in this episode, though. Yeah, I do remember her and I remember her being very frank, very direct throughout the show. So I'm glad that she's there. I am sure that I will enjoy her. But I, yeah, it did sound like she she had been to some of these other parties, maybe ones that actually were occurring around campus. And all of these freshmen on the dorm and apparently Noel had never been to a party before. Another thing that I thought was interesting about the party. So I found that there are sort of these college myths that go around when you're a freshman. It's like, oh, you know, this happened or that's going to happen. And and they get really freaked out by the fact that they think people are going to be naked. Mm. And I just want to say for the record, sometimes you do actually have college sponsored parties. I remember in particular one that was sponsored by the LGBTQ plus group called Starfucked, which they I did every year. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And the idea was to come with as little clothing as possible. And you got this little temporary tattoo that you would stick somewhere on your body. And it was pretty much a naked party, but not completely, I guess, because it was school sanctioned. But there also were plenty of naked parties that went on. So that is a thing. Yeah, but it's the kind of thing that you have this sort of conversation about where it's like, I heard that you've got this going on. I remember. Yeah. And if that's not totally something you're comfortable with, I I feel like I went to that party and I'm certain I had more clothing on than the vast majority of the people there. You might even say I was fully clothed. (laughs) 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 Well, you could go so far as to suggest that I had all of the entire I I imagine I got creative with it, but was not appropriate for what that volume was. Which I do want to come back to because let's talk about clothes later and what people are wearing. But another thing that I thought was very interesting is that there's, they don't give us any freshman orientation about safety. Mm -hmm. I mean, Noel comes up and hands Felicity something and she just drinks it. And she's like, what is this? He's like, I don't know. And they both just drink it. That's um, that's not safe. Don't do that. Yeah. Again, life wisdom from fish. I mean, yeah. goodness, we're getting it just pound for pound. A lot <laughs> of life wisdom in this particular podcast. Yeah. This was an interesting episode. Obviously, the party element was a big element. It's the thing that they're all gearing up for. But there were other things that were happening in this episode. I think of this as an exploration and discomfort from beginning to end. There were so many of our characters that were in situations that were not comfortable to them. And it might make you feel uncomfortable while you're watching them feel uncomfortable. And I think that's just where this episode lived. It really examined they're in these situations that are not exactly what they thought they were going to be, not exactly what they were desiring. And yet they have to cope with what they're encountering. I mean, I I feel like we see that with everybody in some way, but we see it for sure with Ben, the whole bit with the acting class, putting himself out of his comfort zone, not really on purpose because he has to. And you really see an evolution from him. Actually, I don't know if it's an evolution. It feels like a, a real inside look at Ben. And I love the way they handled everything about that part of his story in this episode. What did you think about all that? I did feel like there were a lot of people who were uncomfortable. And in particular, Ben with the acting class. But I felt like a lot of it was really because people were either changing or growing or were just kind of out of character in this episode that they weren't really being themselves. And because of that, it created a lot of discomfort. So we definitely see that in Ben's attitude, in the way that he's holding his body in the acting class. So I agree. But I think we see it in other places as well. Julie, who so far, she's been reserved and maybe a little in denial about her feelings for Ben, but now she knows that she has them and she's actively lying to Felicity about it. And you can see how uncomfortable she is with it. There are, Melissa has said, many, many facial expressions in this episode. You've got Julie lying, 
You've got Ben being really awkward when he has to communicate, which I feel like we haven't seen so far. He's using jokes as a defense mechanism, and he's just really trying to cover up his feelings during this, which I know we said that we hadn't seen Ben really talking to other people and seeing how you know good he is at communicating, but I feel like we've seen him with Felicity, with Julie, even with Noel a couple of times, and he hasn't really had a problem just communicating. So I do feel like this is a little out of character for him. He could have picked I feel something. Like that, I feel like this is in character for him based on what we'll see of him. I think this is where in one of our earlier podcasts when we were talking about the fact that, you know, Ben was being really open. I think it was when we were talking about the pilot episode. We were saying how open he was being. But I really felt like from what I remembered from the show, he's not somebody who is that comfortable sharing his feelings. And he was doing it with Felicity, but isn't that's not his sweet spot with everybody. And I think that we're seeing that in this episode. So for me, the defense mechanisms felt truer to form for him, for where he'll go. But I know that I'm thinking of that with the future in mind. Yeah, because thus far, I just haven't seen that be an issue for him. And he didn't have to pick something that was so incredibly personal to him and actually share as much as he did. So on the one hand, I feel like he's pretty good at communicating in general. And he could have picked something that was as good as this playbill that the other woman shares, but he, he does pick something that is really personal to him. And I can understand if he had gone into it thinking he was going to have to share something that personal with a large group of people that he doesn't know, and maybe he has better one-on-one, but he does really show up for that class and tell us quite a bit about his past and his parents. So it felt inconsistent to me that either he could have just shared something else or he could have been better at communicating with larger groups. But I feel like these two things don't go together mm-hmm. very well. Well, something that I, uh, noting the fact that this is the story he did choose to tell, something I noticed watching it this time that I've never really noticed before is that he was holding those keys through almost the whole episode in every scene that he was in. We saw at least a couple of times when he was in that class or they, they showed us his hands and he was holding the keys. He was flipping the keys. He had his keys in his hand when he was talking to different characters. So his keys were a tactile experience for him through everything that we saw in hot, in hot objects before he gets up on stage to talk about them. So this was something that he was deeply connected to, maybe not thinking about it, but it was the object he had at all times, even if he wasn't really registering what it was about. And the conversation, you know, he obviously tries to do this exercise in class with something funny. You know, he goes up, he talks about a sandwich as if it's important to him. Everybody's laughing. He gets off stage and the teacher's like, thanks for trying, but that does not fulfill your requirement. And so he ends up coming back and it's like, well, what am I going to talk about this time? And between the fact that he's been holding these keys 
for the whole episode, as far as we've seen. And then this conversation he has with Felicity. And I, I really loved the conversation because I think it was this like calm, vulnerable conversation that they both had. Neither of them were trying too hard. It was just one of the most real conversations I've seen them be able to have to this point. And Felicity opens up his mind to the idea that maybe it's not an object that's the most important thing to talk about. For me, maybe it's just being here. And Ben has this light bulb moment where he realizes, you know what, that's it for me too. So I think in in lieu of having anything else obvious to talk about, this stuff, this thing that has so much presence for him in this episode is what he decided to talk about. So I, I really liked the setup of it. It was a very gentle lead in to a big reveal. And this is not a character that I would think would be comfortable to make a big speech. He doesn't do it very often. And yet, oh, I I love the way it was written because he spoke about his experience with the exact amount of language I would think Ben would have. He was talking about a situation that maybe could be abusive, but he didn't really have the words to talk about it that way. So in his simplistic language, he depicts a really uncomfortable situation at home in a really uncomfortable way in class. And he tells us as much as I think his character would understand about what his family life was at that point. That's a good observation. And I didn't notice his keys throughout the episode. So next time I'll have to go back and look at that. But what really kind of hit me about this is as he was talking The question in my mind was, did he feel loved by his father at home? And it seemed like the answer was no. And he had quite a few similarities with Felicity. He felt guilty, similar to how she felt guilty about growing up. He felt guilty about being around, disturbing this peace that he thought existed before he did. Didn't seem like his family communicated very well. And his mom went into depression, which is a fairly normal reaction where, you know, women can can react or do react more often with depression, whereas men react with anger. So her mom is very emotionally involved in the relationship between Ben and her dad and his dad, which I think is kind of similar to Felicity's mom, who is very much dependent on her relationship overly dependent with her on her relationship with felicity it's not having the healthy boundaries to understand this is what is mine this is what kind of is on my side of the road and what i have to take care of and then this is yours if there was some type of abuse going on which i didn't pick up on anything physical then I can see his mom wanting to to stand up for him or protect him, but it doesn't sound like she did. It sounds like she just sort of internalized all of that. So he's glad to be out of that house. And I can understand why. And I can see also the that comment that he made about they looked so happy. You know, he's seen pictures of them and they looked so happy. I think that's an example of that lack of communication you were talking about, because he's really imagining something that he knows nothing about. You know, it's, it it is a result of his mom, perhaps not being forthcoming with him about what the past held for her, because it's hard for me to imagine that it's 
his fault that the family dynamic is this way, that there was absolutely no indication of any of this tension before he was, you know, around to notice it. So I I think, you know, for me, a, a comment like that really highlighted the way it's so easy to take something on that's not yours and to own it and to feel guilty about it or to feel responsible for it. And it's actually not yours to be responsible for. So it made me kind of sad when I heard that from Ben, because it seems like he feels a level of accountability to his mom that she's never released him of because she didn't have the tools to do that. And he's just carrying it with him. And now he's in school and feeling a freedom in being able to be away from it. And I feel like this is something that kids take on a lot of the time. There's a death in the family, or if you're a child of divorce, it's often something that kids need to be reassured about. And if they're not, then you know it is something that they carry around until they're able to sort of grow and understand what was really going on, take responsibility for their own lives and realize that this was not part of their responsibility. But one thing that really bothered me about this scene and really this whole experience that Ben went through is I feel like things like this, where you are in an academic setting and you are forced to participate in something that is overly invasive, it's not okay. Having a professor make you reveal something about yourself that you are not comfortable with for the sake of a class and one that he couldn't get out of. I have a real problem with that. I had something similar happen my senior year of high school, where it was the first assignment of our English class. We had to write a letter about an experience which we regretted. And to me, I just thought, this is none of this teacher's business. There is no reason that he should be asking us to do this. It was also ungraded, but I just don't think it's appropriate for teachers or academics to be pushing into people's personal lives when they don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's an interesting point. I see it a little bit differently. I don't think it exactly parallels to the experience you had in that the question that you were asked, you know, to write about something you regret is certainly going to tap into a story of yours that you feel regret, shame, guilt about, you know, a a memory that doesn't feel great. The exercise in this class was to talk about something that was important and how you interpret that is up to you. So Ben really went there in a big way, but there could have been people in the class who Felicity's first example that she thought of was her necklace that her grandmother had gave her and that had given her and that probably wouldn't have been so deeply revealing, but she could have still fulfilled an exercise like that with that particular object. So Ben ultimately did choose to go this deep. And I will say that when you're doing something like an acting class or like, for example, I used to do improv, I would do improv drop-in classes or drop-in like jam sessions. And there was a policy that you can't be there just to watch because people are really putting themselves out there. And to have people in the room who aren't is actually weirder for the people who are. It may be hard to sort of get behind that idea, but if you can all be in agreement that the people who are in this room 
are going to find some level of way to participate in it, it actually creates a safer environment for all the people in the room who are participating. So it's a it's a bit of a tricky thing, I think. I get your point, but I also get it from the other side of like, it feels unsafe to be in a room where you're giving a lot of information and other people are giving none. So you have to kind of strike that balance in a setting like an acting class, because if you can't go there, like that's, that's the whole point. You have to be able to release into the exercise. And I can understand that if you had chosen to go into that class, fine. You chose to go to an improv class and to create that safe space and you could remove yourself from it. But because the way the class schedule was set up as it was, he wanted a Russian language class and he got acting. Mm -hmm. So especially with something like a freshman acting course, I, and it's an elective, I just don't think that, again, that it's appropriate. And maybe it's something that needs to be taken up at a higher level with the administration to say this class is going to get into some deep subjects and therefore you can't just randomly put people in my class. Mm-hmm. But that part, that bothered me. And it seemed like he was trying to find something that could have been less important to him and he couldn't think of anything. That's mm-hmm. what came across in that discussion on the bench with Felicity was you know, he didn't really have anything like her grandmother's necklace that he could talk about. And so I felt like he was cornered into sharing this because it was something that he felt strongly about and he didn't know how to BS his way through something else, mm-hmm. which again, a little out of character considering he lied about having a dead brother on his essay. Mm-hmm. So I did just find these these moments of character inconsistency throughout the episode, but I do think it was great to understand what his background is. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention about that scene where he's actually doing the exercise is I think it was beautifully, creatively shot. You see the camera, you see other people in the room, and then the camera really pans around so that you're really focusing on his face And it's in darkness, but you can see the tops of the heads of some of his classmates. And you can see that there are people there that he's talking to, but he feels very alone in the room at the same time. And the way that he's lit, um, you know, you don't see a lot of this sort of technique, I think, used so far in the show. But I think it created an effect that made sense for the situation that he was in. So I did like that, but I wanted to go back a moment to, you know, you had made a comment about Julie as well and the way that she's been sort of hiding uh, up until this point, her feelings about Ben, because she was ultimately, as she says in this episode, protecting Felicity, maybe herself as well, because she had a friend she didn't want to lose, that she didn't want to hurt. And in this episode, it's really coming to her like, I do have feelings and I have to do something about this. And I think this is where I've been feeling the buildup in the episodes so far to this point, because there's just been this simmering, everybody's hiding this type of stuff from themselves. And at some point it has to explode. And I think the explosion happened for Julie in this episode. She has a confrontation with Felicity. It feels like there's a little bit of resentment in her that she's had to hide this or that she's chosen to hide this information from Felicity. She says, I'm sick of protecting you. And I really took that as just like, she's got to let it rip right now. (laughs) She has to let loose. 
this has been building up and this isn't really her way of handling things normally, but her way of handling things has not been effective to this point because she wasn't handling it. To see this, this truth put out there in a very blunt way, I think it had to happen. And at some point there's going to have to be a, like, how do we recover from this sort of moment? Yeah, that was maybe a little mini explosion. She definitely, you know, snapped at Felicity and Felicity snapped back at her sort of a infighting over a guy. They're lying to each other. I mean, it's tale as old as, as time. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, Ben is clearly trying to pursue Julie. He's asking her out. He's around at her table. He's showing up at the party. I mean, he's he's around. And they both went to Lucky Strike the night before, and they both tell Felicity separately. And she never has that moment that we see where she's like, huh, you said Lucky Strike. And you said Lucky Strike. You both went to Lucky Strike. Like, we don't see that on her face, but we know it as an audience listening in. Like, these two people are basically saying we were at the same thing and you were not invited. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like, ah, there's been so many clues about this. And Felicity just has been in denial. And what's been interesting is to see how Ben acts around Julie versus how he acts around Felicity. Because from the outside, the way that I see it is he's interested in Julie and Felicity's a friend. And she is not picking up on this. And maybe I wouldn't have either from the inside. But they have this very intimate moment where he comes in and asks if he can sleep on her floor You know, she's already been fantasizing about how the night is going to end with him coming into her room to, quote, talk after they get all sweaty dancing. Also, why was there no dancing at the party? But that's beside the point. He comes in. He's heard the tape. He's got to know how she feels about him. And he's sitting on her bed and he's smiling at her and he's being all Ben. And after buying her ice cream, She's like, great, he's back in my room and he's sleeping in Megan's bed, which I wouldn't do. She, but what about those sateen sheets, huh? Hey, I like the color of them. I don't know what's <laughs> been going on. They could be cursed. They could uh, be, I don't know. Who knows? But we can talk a little bit more about how I think people have changed and grown in this episode because I think Felicity does a lot. But at, at that point, she really takes a big step backward Mm -hmm. where she walks over and just creepily watches him sleep. Yeah. I'm going to give an award for that. Uh, Most awkward moment of this show. I think for me ever is Felicity staring at Ben at the end of the episode. That is for me harder than anything I've seen to this point. I remember the first time I watched it and I was screaming at the screen, like he's going to wake up. (laughs) Like don't, don't stand in front of him. I do want to say, though, because I think this is a good time to bring this in. We've had some listener feedback from Monica, who is a new Felicity watcher, so does not know what's ahead and is only responding to what she's seen so far. And she says, what is Ben doing? He seems intrigued by Felicity. He keeps approaching her. You know, I know that this, you know, has to do with end of the episode, sort of he knocks on her door, asks to sleep in a room. And It's interesting because I know you're picking up on like, he's into Julie and he thinks of Felicity as a friend, but Monica's picking up on something else here that it's like, yes, that's the story they're trying to tell. But 
look, Felicity is trying really hard around Ben and it's a little awkward and it's a little obvious. And you can see it from the moment she asks Ben to the party. She has no chill. He knows what chill looks like. This isn't it. And he knows this about her. He knows that she's had feelings for him. He doesn't necessarily know where she stands with it right now, but it stands to reason she's not over it. And he continues to pursue these conversations with her. And was there no couch in the dorm for him to sit on or sleep on that night? He chose to go to her room. And so it is interesting that like, yes, they are absolutely setting up and they're clear that Ben is pursuing Julie, but he's giving Felicity something to think about here. Your mileage may vary on what you think that means, but he doesn't have to be putting himself in front of her as often as he's doing if he understands what the situation is. So I do think that was an interesting comment from somebody who is seeing it for the first time, because I can't go back and remember what I thought the first time. And, and so that, you know, just to see like, okay, this is what they're setting up, but this is what we're picking up on as well is interesting for me to look back at. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to disagree on this one. I don't think that Ben knows what's going on. He looks a lot older and he probably is a lot older than he is supposed to be in these episodes. But when you think back to 18, 19 year old boys, they're dumb. They don't pick up on this stuff. He's used to being friendly. He signed her yearbook and she followed him to school. She continues to tell him over and over and over again, I'm not into you. I'm over it. We're friends. You know, so she is saying that I don't think he understands the situation. And I do think if he thought that he was hurting her, he wouldn't be doing it. But he's just treating her like a friend. I mean, he has friends owned her and that's the way he treats his friends. He's nice to them and he hangs out with them. And it would be weird for him to cut her out of his life after she has specifically asked if they could be friends with each other. So. I'm just not seeing a whole lot of fault on his side here. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think, I think if we're giving him a pass for just not noticing all the obvious signals, then let's give him a pass, but the signals are there for sure. So, I mean, I look at, I look at a scene, like they're in the cafeteria and she's so deeply invested in telling him about this party. And so obviously crushed to learn that Julie has already told him about it. And it's like, yeah, you know, you just have to be oblivious to not be seeing what she's putting out there. But your argument is he is oblivious. <laughs> so, yeah. I think he's oblivious. That. And I, I just don't think he thinks about it because think about what happened in that scene. She came up to him and said, we're having a party. And he said, oh, yeah, Ju Julie told me. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was his reaction. So if he had had any sense that that would have hurt her. I don't think he would have said it. Mm -hmm. He's just like, oh, somebody told me about a party. Great. Yeah, I already know. Mm -hmm. Boys. <laughs> um, I will say, though, because I think you you had a, an interesting inflection in your voice when you were talking about like the, the fantasy that Felicity had about, you know, talking with him in her room. I, I really do think that was her fantasy. I think that she, what she longs for is emotional connection and that a night talking with him would have made her day. And it is interesting that she gets most of that fantasy with Noel. 
because, you know, she talks about, oh, we're going to comment on how each other looks. And like, that's what happens when, when Noel knocks on her door and then he asks her to dance. And obviously things go a little haywire after that. So the whole fantasy can't come true, but I really do believe that her fantasy is this relatively tame. I want to have an emotional connection with somebody. And you have to bear in mind, she's still new to social experiences. So for her, there's probably a lot of baggage around anything more than that. And she's never maybe had that much of the emotional connection conversation with somebody she cares about in the past. So for her, that's like a really important first step. And I fully believe that that is what she meant. I will say, how at the party did they get that far into her tape before she finally comes up and finds the stop button magically? Like she just knows where it is. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I uh, had a comment on that too, but it was more from a, why is the tape starting towards the end? We don't uh, hear Dear Sally. We just hear the part about the sex. Mm, Would she have fast forwarded and stopped right at that point uh and made it ready for the party to hear? I mean, we've got a lot of questions about this device. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, yeah. let's just, for our, our younger listeners, a tape, it's something that we used to listen to music on, kind of how you stream it today. It's like a small version of Spotify that only had 20 songs on it, and it would often get caught in your tape deck, and then you'd have to spend an hour slowly rewinding the tape back into to the cassette tape so these are pre-2000s technology yeah pre-cds pre-mp3 streaming all of that so to get to that spot you have to be intentional you have to physically rewind the tape Mm -hmm. stop it and land there and and know that you've landed there (laughs) yes which was also a trick because there wasn't a way to like timestamp where you started saying the important thing, but she got, you know, they got, they got a whole lot of words out before anybody thought, Hey, this isn't music. (laughs) 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 And with somebody running through the room shouting to turn off the tape and everybody stops and looks, that would be the moment a DJ (laughs) would go, Oh, let me turn to Jamiroquai. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, unfortunate, but we get the point of what they were trying to do. They, uh, they needed this moment to happen. They needed Felicity to, to feel really awful. They needed all the other characters to feel sympathetic to her. And, and this is what did it. It's, it's, you know, this is where maybe I suspend some disbelief that any of this was easy to do, but here we are. Yeah, it is a rough moment for Felicity. And it's, to me, it feels like that dream, you know, where you wake up and you're in class and you don't have any clothes on, you know, it, it's like an urban legend scene. So did I have just to want to know what Megan would have said about it. Can you imagine what Megan would have said about the tape? I feel like she may actually have laughed and then just walked away. I like a small laugh, but that's a lot for Megan. Yeah. Just a yeah. look, a casual look of disgust and then walk away. Oh, yeah. it was your little tape. <laughs> like 
like yeah. your little friend, Julie. Your little friend. Yeah. Yes, I agree. <laughs> but okay, so I, I still want to go back to what you were saying about Felicity's fantasy, though, because I don't think she wants an emotional connection with anyone. I mean, she has friend zoned Noel the same way that Ben has friend zoned her. And she's not looking for that type of connection with Noel. It's not just anyone. No, because she's deeply infatuated with Ben. She's not yeah. able to go there with Noel. She's not even able to pray. She wants it. She just only wants it with Ben. Exactly. And I do think there is a physical element to that. Whether she wants to admit it or not, she does say basically that she's having like fan sex fantasies about him. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we can pretend that I mean, maybe she wasn't ready that night to sleep with him. She would have been extremely happy to just talk to him that night. But she wants more. Like, she wants a romantic relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, on another note, and kind of one of my last notes, maybe, there's a whole bit here with Felicity meeting her hero. And I think it's worth stopping down on that for a minute. She meets Dr. Garibay. He's her inorganic chemistry professor. And he had written the textbooks that she, or at least one of them that she read in high school. And so she had idolized him or had a vision of who he would be. And I don't know what to think about this guy, because on the one hand, don't tell your teacher you didn't do the reading. You know, everybody else in that class had it figured out. There were other people in that room who either didn't have the book or hadn't done the reading. And they knew not to raise their hand when he called her out. If you haven't done it, just don't go up to the front of the class and talk to your professor about how you're unprepared. That's not a great foot to start off on. But also, this guy was a jerk. (laughs) So like, I found myself wondering, I took a note that was like, this guy just shouldn't have office hours even, but he probably has to. What would it be like to knock on Dr. Garibay's door for office hours and be like, hey, sir, can you help me? And he's like, you teacher's pet, get out of here. This is nonsense. What relationship did he have with his students? He just seemed to me like a professor who was there for research maybe, but not for teaching and couldn't care less about the students. I mean, I also wrote down jerk twice, but there are professors like that. And you just set them off sometimes. I had a a women's studies professor. And as a freshman, I made the horrible mistake of calling her Mrs. instead of professor. Yeah, that that was a an hour of my life I will never get back where I got all kinds of lectures about how women are defined by their marital status and men aren't. And she just did not like me after that. It didn't matter what I did. She just was not having it with my stupid freshman. What did she say to me? It was something like, not that I was aiding and abetting men, but I was like, helping them keep us down an accessory i think i was an accessory to like male domination and i was just thinking to myself wait that's not who i am so it seems to me that was a teachable moment that didn't require that level of i don't know it sounds like a punitive way to handle a teachable moment (laughs) but you know they're people too and he's tenured And I think she did set him off for something that probably really bugged him. And he brought on, I think, one of the ways that Felicity started to change and grow in this episode. I 
was pretty impressed with Felicity in this episode. So he says to her, you know, when she comes up to him after this whole debacle and she's getting her ice cream, that basically she shouldn't be taking what he's saying so personally. It's not about him. And he says, think about yourself. And although I have criticized Felicity in the past for being self-involved, I think he's saying something different to her. He's saying, you need to grow your self-confidence. That's you know, a generous that's, way of looking at Dr. Garibay. Well, I mean, I, I do think that's what he's trying to say to her. It, it's kind of a grow up statement. You have to believe in yourself. It's not about me or how I feel about you. You can learn from me in this class without us being okay, which I'm assuming is something he probably heard from a number of students over the years and thought it was slang and just didn't like her. But, mm. you know, the other things that I was thinking about, I, I really like that scene in the grocery store. So I don't know if it hit you the same way, but she buys a spoon. Mm -hmm. And to me, this is very significant because she's never had to go out and buy something like a spoon that she would have had at her parents' place, that she would have had in the cafeteria for herself. She's, it's like the, almost the first thing she's buying to become more self-reliant is, is this spoon and this ice cream. The spoon she, of responsibility. That's what I'm going to call yes, it. Yes. We are dubbing it the spoon of responsibility. Mm -hmm. So she's building something new. She has been completely humiliated in front of everyone, but she doesn't run away at all. She instead starts or continues to build her life there, which I think is, is a big step forward for her. And even before that, based on her what, 30 second meeting, we've now really met Megan and, and heard her say a couple of things. And Megan was quite observant. She was saying, hey, get your head out of the clouds. These two people, Ben and Julie, like each other. Mm -hmm. And it's really obvious. All you have to do is look at them. Mm -hmm. And so Felicity starts looking at them and she is becoming more observant. She's coming out of her self-obsessed bubble and instead directing thoughts of herself, hopefully, to, to being more self-confident and resilient. And so I thought there was a lot of growth for her in this episode that unfortunately is undermined by her leaps and bounds backwards. <laughs> uh, staring at Ben. Uh, yeah, staring at Ben's sleep. But I mean, yeah, Not to your point. point, you know, if we wondered if she was starting to open up her eyes to the world, we get the super slow-mo, cool Ben entrance into the party where he immediately yep. makes a beeline in slow-mo to Julie. It was a moment. That's for sure. <laughs> it was. It was a very cool moment that I think we were seeing through Felicity's eyes and everything just stopped and here he comes. And I had wondered in some of the earlier episodes, I wrote it down, but I didn't mention it. I wondered if they were slowing down the film during some of the Ben scenes. I feel like maybe they do. Hmm. So we'll have to watch out for that. Kind of going we've definitely forward. gotten some slow-mo from him before i feel like in the last episode while he was walking away from felicity and her mother it slowed mm -hmm. down too so you know time slows for felicity when she's in the presence of ben 
I have a, I have a note from an optimist that I wanted to share because I think it has to do with the growth that you're talking about despite the last minute. I, I think at the start of this series, Felicity is trying so hard. She is in this frenetic space and she has these moments that bring her down to earth step by step, but not all at once. And I think that that happens in an important way in this episode where when she starts out, I really did still feel that there was a forced feeling that she had, you know, especially when I think about that cafeteria scene when she's inviting Ben to the party and it just doesn't feel like she's natural. She doesn't know how to be natural. And then you get this episode where life kind of slaps her down a little bit in a few different ways and things aren't going exactly according to the fantasy. They're not going according to even a plan. They're not ideal. And she's in a, she's kind of stripped down to just problem solving mode. She's just troubleshooting at this point and she's not frantic about it. It's almost, to me, it almost seems like it forces her to stop and think. It forces her to slow down in a way. It seems to me like it calms her that it's like, you know what, I've got this other stuff to deal with. So the stuff that I thought was a priority, I need to put that away for a minute. And in doing that, she actually becomes more natural. So, you know, if I think about the last couple scenes with Ben, again, if we exclude the final minute, you know, if I think about those last couple scenes with Ben, it's almost the most natural she's been with him. That scene on the bench where they're talking about the hot objects, when he first shows up in her room and is talking about, you know, wanting to sleep in her room. And I feel like she's at, she is now rolling with the punches and she's now in a place where she can match Ben but she can have a conversation that feels unhurried. And I hope that'll hold up for her coming out of this episode. Of course, that last minute makes us wonder, but I like that there were so many other things happening for her. And sometimes that happens in life. You know, the thing that was so important to you, if you just focus on something else for a minute, it may very well allow you to have progress in the area that you were so focused on to begin with. I think that's very true. And I appreciate that. I did feel like when Ben came in and sat on her bed, she did kind of start out having having a normal-ish conversation. I don't know how normal it can be when you're asleep and you've just eaten a bunch of chocolate. And you're depressed. <laughs> yeah, and you're depressed. Um, Humiliated. You know, she starts having this relatively normal conversation, but when he walks away and she kind of curls into herself and you see the smile, it's almost... To me, it felt like this is her fantasy kind of coming true. He came Mm. in, he talked to her, now he's sleeping in her room, and then she goes on the weird, creepy watching him sleep moment. So I do feel like that was a continuation of whatever that fantasy she had was in her head. And I agree Ben's actions are not helpful in that moment, although I still think he's oblivious to everything. I I do want to just talk about Noel for a minute because Mm -hmm. there's another moment that I feel like is, again, out of character when Noel is advising Julie. Mm -hmm. Because up until now, we have seen a real thirsty Noel. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is manipulating to like get her parents to come over. He's, I know you think it's, it's a joke and I'm sure it was, but coming out of his mouth that it's, he's on a power trip and he's just, he's real thirsty. Mm -hmm. And then He's got this moment where he's sitting in his room holding a basketball, which I don't see him ever using. (laughs) And 
he's advising Julie really on what's best for her friendship, and he's not thinking about himself. If he was thinking about getting Ben out of the picture, he'd say, yeah, pursue him and tell Felicity about this. And he's not. He's still pursuing her. And I think that we still see, you know, Noel trying way too hard with the Estonian chocolate and wearing a suit jacket mm -hmm. to a college party, even though he's a sophomore and should but have. he feels handsome. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so now I have a whole other uh -oh. thing that I need uh -oh. to say here. Look, clothing. I believe in my heart that sweaters ruin everything for Felicity. Oh. I am sorry, but Felicity, she's cute. She's pretty. She wore that pretty dress. But there are these scenes where early on, she is wearing the ugliest freaking brown sweater that I have ever seen. And then... Ben is standing next to her in this gorgeous charcoal sweater. And Felicity, what are you doing? And she wears this cute, strappy dress inside. You know, they're inside at a party. Those parties get hot. And she puts this ugly sweater on over top of it. And there's several scenes with at least three different ugly sweaters. One that went down to her calves. It's just not okay. She would be so much better if she just stopped wearing sweaters. And I huh. feel like her life would be better. Now, this is not to say that there's, you know, nothing wrong with Julie's fashion sense. For a moment, let's just focus in on that hair. Uh, that hair was really some anime. The two song. buns or whatever that was, the messy buns. Oh, my goodness. But she can take that down and and she's fine but felicity never takes off um, she takes off the ugly sweater she just puts another one on top mm -hmm. so i'm sorry but this is a big no to sweaters and also to noel wearing a jacket to a party because you would be dripping in sweat again just back to the party thing real parties you go you do not wear much clothing you throw your bag in a corner and pray no one steals all your stuff and then you are just smashed in with everybody else dancing this was not a good party yeah so sweaters fish is coming for you she came for I, you it happened already she threw yes. a gauntlet down and you need to deal with it sweaters ugly sweaters ugly sweaters because there's a charcoal sweater that you were quite fond of that ben yes uh, uh -huh. so ugly sweaters fish is coming for you this was our rant from the cynic goodness well but, but hey what would felicity be without her ugly sweaters uh she'd be in a relationship that might be true well, we're gonna have to see she's still so new to it all and she hasn't learned the ways and we may very well see her develop in this area. She just isn't there yet. She's going to ugly sweater it up. And she doesn't even know that this is an issue for her. But if you could get through to her, you would be, you would be saying, stop it with the ugly sweaters. I would. And I, I would love to hear from our listeners. To sweater or not to sweater, how do you feel about Felicity's wardrobe? Is she helping herself? Is she helping her case with what she wears? And before the listeners weigh in, I will. I probably wore the same type of stuff. I am wearing that kind of thing right now. Um, oh, you're not. She's not. Well, I have a sweatshirt. I mean, is that a step and up? It, it is a step up. What? Are, have you seen the sleeves? Better. Yeah, it is way better than the ugly sweaters. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
look, I'm not a fashion icon. So if you're here to tell me that sweatshirts are better than sweaters, then I don't know which way is up, but it's okay. I will say this, your sweatshirt is better than her sweaters. Okay. Those are actively ugly sweaters. Whereas your sweatshirt is just a regular sweatshirt. It's true. Uh, I'm learning along the way and we do, uh, we value the wisdom of listeners who have some sort of fashion sense, or if you don't, I'd like to hear from you because you're my people. (laughs) You might not be vicious people. You're my people. One other, a couple other things I wanted to say uh, in our general notes, you know, when it comes to Felicity going all over town to get a book for this class, my goodness, that's what the world was. Uh, (laughs) There was no such thing as ordering your books online. Like if you're sitting here watching this show and be like, why didn't you just get them online? Nope. That wasn't a thing. You had to physically go to stores and hope they had it. Now you might call them to find out if they had it in stock instead of going all over town trying to find out on site. But that was the way you got your books. Actually at our school, there was one bookstore where you pretty much got all of your books. Unless you happen to know somebody who took the class the semester or the year before you who was willing to give you theirs or sell it to you. But I, I always thought it was so funny, the the university bookstore that we had where you would go and you'd get your books. And then at the end of the semester, you could sell them back to the bookstore. But when I say sell them back, you give them like a huge textbook that you paid a lot of money for. And they'd be like, okay, we'll give you 25 cents for this. How's that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah yep. that'll do. <laughs> there and that, no room for negotiation. And that is why we sort of started to create our own informal, if you're on a sports team, who took this before and you'd hand the books down or you'd buy them from someone else. And for all of you out there who use Amazon, which is everyone, you're welcome because it was our generation that made Amazon's innovation of selling books actually work. Mm -hmm. Because before that, we didn't really have any global or beyond your local friend's way of getting paid uh, for, for the hundreds of dollars that we would shell out for each one of these books. Mm-hmm. So, And then when you brought all those books back to the bookstore, you'd come back with a whopping maybe 20 bucks. <laughs> maybe. That was maybe. Maybe. It was like, oh, so, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just all put ourselves in that reality. The internet has dial up if you even have it. And there's nothing. There's no Google. There's no Google. You can't Google something. That was not a verb. This is we had we had Xerox. We had Xerox. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one one other thing I wanted to say. My final final note is I enjoyed, and I said this last time too, but I really do enjoy that. Yes, you have your core characters, but you get all these little moments with all these minor characters, and they just make you feel like the dorm is alive. There's there are people in this dorm. It's not just these people that we're following, you've got Mitch who just wants a band at this party. That's all he wants. That's the only thing we're ever going to know about him. And he's so great. You know, you've got the girl that Julie's talking to who wants Q to come in a different place in the alphabet. And later she has thoughts about the word tardy. You've got Sensa and her beeper. You've got, uh, Julie has a clean freak roommate, but we never see her or we haven't yet at least. And I love that, you know, you get those two kids from the acting class who are falling in love. 
and <laughs> just keep coming up. You know, if you really keep watching the episode, you'll see him in a lot of scenes getting closer and closer and closer. And so I just love that we get all these other people because it makes it feel to me more like the college experience where you really do have the friends that you're close with, but there's all these other people that you see sometimes and you interact and it's part of your, it it fills out your life there. Yeah, I agree. You have these moments in college with people that you will never see again, but Uh that you remember for the rest of your life. Like I went over to a different college and went to a party with a friend of mine from high school who had graduated a year before me. And so I went over and I was staying in her dorm. We may have been drinking a little bit. I remember sort of that I had this very long political debate with some guy that everyone was calling Comrade Randy. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he was clearly on one side of the political spectrum. Okay. And I clearly was not, and trying to explain this through a haze of wine plus bourbon, again, don't do this to yourself. So Comrade Randy has a special place in in my college history and in my heart. Don't know his real name, never saw him again, but it was a great night. And I felt a little sorry for Julie having to have this conversation with this girl about the alphabet in the cafeteria because the conversation itself was fantastic but they definitely should have been sitting on a grate somewhere being stoned Mm -hmm. i mean that is the conversation you have when chemicals have been introduced into your body not in a cafeteria yeah i mean if i if i were to sit here and try to tell you i hadn't had conversations like that in college i'd be lying i mean i conversations like this were dime a dozen (laughs) You know, somebody having a deep theory about something that really doesn't matter at all. Uh, but yep. you've really thought about it. <laughs> yep. That's that's the beauty of it. You just get exposed to new thoughts and ideas. There were also many conversations that were really worthwhile and good, but these had a place, you know, like Q needs to become come at the end of the alphabet. That's... And, you know, I actually, I don't disagree, uh-huh. but I've kind of always felt that way myself but I'm still not going to give her credit for having that conversation sober. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, what do you say we take a look back at what Sally said and what Sally meant? So listeners, in case you're feeling a little rusty on this, because we didn't have this segment last time because they didn't have a tape back from Sally, but this time it's back. They allowed time for it in the episode and we're going to cover it here. So I'm going to share with you what Sally said, but Fish has been chronicling what Sally actually meant. And it I have to say the first installment of this was riveting. So let's just see where we go here. But here's but let's you- also we have to remember that I don't remember what happened in the different episodes. And so I don't see what Sally meant as a chronological consistent thing. I think each episode will bring it new insights into what what Sally thought in that moment in time. Sally is a multidimensional woman and Fish is going to shed light on that for us. So here's, here's what she said. She says, dear Felicity. How did you never think of sex in high school? I wish I had your problems. 
Okay, brace yourself. A guy asked me out. And I am horny AF. He's a teacher at the elementary school. So I can't sleep with him. No workplace romances. Mm, His name's Emmett, for God's sakes. And that killed my lady boner. (laughs) But I said no for now. I wonder if there are any sex shops nearby. I gotta check the yellow pages. I'm still not ready to move past John. Damn, these sound sleazy. They probably won't have anything good for women. It's sort of like what you were saying on your last tape. The sales guy's gonna give me that look. I hate that look. Prick. How, on the one hand... Expectations can inspire you. Maybe there will be something decent without man jewelry in it. But then again, they can really let you down. Really wish there was a way to get porn delivered so I could buy it from home. (laughs) I'm just not ready to be let down quite yet. Whoever invents that is going to make a buttload of money. That reminds me, where did I pack my butt plugs? But you know me. I still have hope. Oh, yes. I forgot I had that movie. I know what I'm doing tonight. That one day, maybe even pretty soon, I'll take a chance again. Wine. I need wine. In the horrible face of expectation. This is going to be great. Get ready for me, John. And maybe it'll be worth it. Fuck. No batteries. My goodness, Fish. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, who knew? Mm -hmm. Sally's, uh, she's got her priorities, right? And again, let me remind people, the internet was not a thing. You could not go on and find free porn. You had to go outside and people looked at you and, and judged you. And there was man jewelry. Wow. Well, look, this continues to be interesting to me. We're really adding new layers to Sally and the story of Sally. I like it. Listeners, I'm curious, where do you think this is going? Just let us know like, where you're seeing this end up with Sally. I'm curious if you ever had thoughts about what she was saying in the background. But in the meantime, let's rate this episode. Fish, what did you think of this one? I really liked this one. I think there was a lot going on and I liked the growth that Felicity had. Again, ignoring the last part. I really think that was great. We had a lot to work with and I love the spoon of responsibility. So I'm actually going to bump this one to an eight out of 10 gloves. Wow. Okay. Eight out of 10 gloves for fish. And I am going to rate this one in Estonian chocolate bars. It felt right. So I also liked this one. I'm going to give it an eight and a half out of 10 Estonian chocolate bars. And I would say I really like this one as well. For me, that last minute, (laughs) I don't know what to make of it. It's hard. It's for me, the most cringy part of the entire show, I think. So I can't give this one a 10. So I talked it a little bit. And for me, this one lands at an eight and a half. But I do like that the storytelling felt better paced and it felt maybe more even across all the different stories they were trying to tell as well. So I didn't feel shortchanged in any areas. I feel that 
we moved a lot of people forward. We introduced a new character. So there was a lot that they accomplished and it felt like it happened in the right timing to get it all done. So I did like that. And I also wanted to make, I had one more award for a great musical choice, but again, I I should just remind you, I mentioned this last time as well. There's different music that underpins the show, depending on where you're listening to it. Like if you watched the original airing or if you watched a repeat on Wii or somewhere or on the DVD, or if you're watching it streaming now, there you might be hearing different music along the way. But the version that Fish and I watched off of the DVD, during the scene where Felicity goes to buy the spoon of responsibility and the ice cream, there's this beautiful song that plays by the group or scout. It's called The House We Used to Live In. And for me, it is so perfectly the way this show sounds. It has that sort of McLaughlin vibe, this sort of like feminine indie sort of vibe that represents the whole show for me. So I loved that musical choice. Some of you may have seen the scene with that song. And if you didn't, go look it up. Scout, the house we used to live in. It was was a fun one. So we've asked you some questions along the way. If you want to share your thoughts, your feedback, or if you have any, I don't know, if you're an artist and you want to share Felicity artwork with us, we would love to hear from you. So you can reach us at themelissafish at gmail.com. That's Melissa with one L, two S's themelissafish at gmail.com. We really would love to hear from you. We enjoy hearing from people and finding out what you like about the show or what you thought about the episode or what you thought about what we said about the episode. Um, And if you want to follow us, we're active on Instagram. You can find us at Felicity Podcast. And also, if you're interested to know when these episodes drop, you can sign up for our newsletter. So just go ahead and check the show notes for a link to get to the sign up. And that way you don't have to wonder when the next episode is going to come out. You can just hear from us and go straight there. So that is all of the things I had to share. Um, Fish, anything else that you wanted to mention before we closed out? Well, two last observations that you guys can go back and, and look at. There's a bright blue bike helmet on Felicity's coat rack where she keeps her ugly sweaters. Why? Does she have a bike? Does anyone have a bike? Have we seen her riding a bike? Also, she has fallen asleep in her bed after eating ice cream. And the ice cream hasn't melted. She what probably property? ate the whole pint. Oh no, there's still ice cream. The spoon's stuck cream. in it. Hmm. Yep, yep. I was looking at it and um, it did not melt and fall all over her bed. And as someone who has fallen asleep, maybe with some ice cream before, just saying not really that realistic but um maybe she got something special or maybe the spoon of responsibility kept it frozen that's probably what happened it's like the Mm -hmm. sword and the stone yeah in a different way where the sword couldn't be pulled out of the stone the spoon just kept it cold Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the spoon of responsibility had a lot of work to do in this episode had some serious heavy lifting it was it was my favorite part it was by far I like that. Well, we'll see if the spoon of responsibility ever comes back. I mean, or maybe it'll meet a a fork of responsibility. (laughs) A fork of accountability. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) We'll just have a whole bunch of cutlery that has like symbolic meaning. That's Mm -hmm. what we'll do. I like it. But the spoon is where we all start. So that's fine. Well, next time we talk, we're going to dive into the next episode, which is 
Boggled. I'm looking forward to it. I have some memory of what we have coming up here. So that should be a fun one. And that's, uh, that's pretty much everything. So until next time, fish, don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone. I'm a fish. Bye, everyone. Bye.